This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch's sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee, plus 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com code odyssey. Exclusions apply. See site for details. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. You're listening to Ride at Home with Rich. And now, here's your host, Rich Orris. All right, good Saturday afternoon, and welcome to Ride at Home with Rich. It's me, your host, Rich Orris. And you know, as a senior sales consultant for Mosby Building Arts, I get a lot of common questions about homes. But really, probably one of the most common questions I get is when are you going to do another question-answer format radio show for us so we can find out all this great information about our home? Well, today is that day, people. We plan to cover some common questions about roofing, mold, decks, concrete, and one of my favorite questions is the whole ceiling fan blade direction debacle. We're going to try and put some sense to that if we can, which, you know should put a spin on everything for you. So my producer, Todd Bachman, is going to be joining me today to get all these answers out for you and help with the show. And I will also have my On the Road with Rich segment and my hack. So stay tuned for all of that as well. So Todd, hey, thanks for coming in and getting with us today. How's your day going so far? It is going great. Thank you, Rich. It's going to be a really fun show. I'm excited for it. Yeah, I think this is this is really good. I think people, you know, I've I've heard from more than a couple people that they really like this, and they they wish we'd do it a little more often. So yeah, here we are to jump into it and help everybody out. Absolutely. So let's go ahead and just jump into it. So you know, it has been really windy out this past spring, and I think it's maybe one of the windiest springs I can remember. So a lot of people are having this issue with uh, roofing shingles blowing off of their house. Is there a way to kind of prevent this from happening to a roof? So, um, you know, yes, there is. Um, Roofing shingles, they are kind of designed and meant to, to held up to these elements. Of course, it will matter, you know, how strong these winds truly are. Let's not get into global warming and, and why it's so windy. I'm not sure that has anything to do with anything, but it has, in fact, been a very windy spring so far this year. It's really been kind of amazing. But really, with with typical asphalt roof shingles, um, installing them correctly in the beginning is really the best plan of attack in what it really needs to happen in order to kind of prevent this from from happening down the road. Um, 
So, you know, harsh winds, they can allow those shingles to come loose, break, fly off. It will depend on the age, how they wear, you know, things like that. But starting in the beginning with the best installation process will help make sure that happens. And, you know, some of the things that we've seen or that happens to shingles when they're installed is one cold or dust. Um, it can really, so if it's cold out, the shingles will not adhere and stick to one another until it gets warm enough to melt the actual adhesive that's in there to stick one shingle to the other. So if it's put on in a cold environment and it hasn't gotten warm enough for them to stick and you get the winds, that, that could be an issue, um, in new construction in whole, you know, when, when they do the, the whole town of new houses, like a whole area and they're grading and they're flattening the ground around it. And there's work on the development ground off to one side and there's new houses being built off to another. We've also seen dust become an issue, hmm, just dirt and debris. Cause basically as they're applying these shingles, this dust, flying through the air and we just had that big car crash right yeah from the farmer so this is a real thing like that was a little extreme but it's a real thing that so much dust can circulate when it's windy like this as they're building that the adhesive gets covered in dust and then it never sticks very well so that's another installation thing right there that you know is needs to be watched out for now if you have something like that the thing that you can do is add adhesive. So there are, you know, adhesives you can get in a can or, or a caulk tube. And you don't want to apply a whole lot. But if you have some shingles that are loose, you can go up there, put just a couple little dots or a couple little dabs and apply that tab down and, and let that adhere. Um, nailing in the proper place is another big thing because if the nail is too high up on the shingle, it it you know, if it's not in the center where it's supposed to be, it can allow the shingle to want to kind of bend up mm -hmm. and curl up and it can loosen that nail and that'll help them blow off too. And then the other thing, the last one is just basically age. Mm -hmm. And age is a hard battle with getting up there with your adhesives and stuff like that. Because if you have proper, you, if you don't have proper ventilation and your roof is overheating every summer, they'll dry out. They'll curl up, and when they start to curl up is when the wind can get underneath them and pick that up and, and kind of blow them right off. Yeah, that's a lot of great information and some points that I haven't really thought of. So I wanted to stick with the roof. Uh, for people that are going to be replacing the roof, a lot of times they have the option between going with like a three-tab shingle versus an architectural shingle. Is there a difference, you know, how much of a difference is there between those two options? And is it worth kind of the upcharge of going with the architectural shingle? Yeah. So um, quick answer is it's definitely worth the upcharge of the architectural shingle, but there are some times when it might not be the right roofing product for your roof. So when you look at the, the different types of shingles, you got your standard three tab shingles, and then you've got your architectural shingles. Um, the standard three tab shingles are very flat. They, they don't have definition to them. So they can sit on a little a flatter surface, not as much slope. Mm -hmm. 
architectural shingles, it's, you know, a lot of them still say you can do like a, what they call a 312 pitch. Um, a lot of times I'm looking for around a five at the lowest pitch for architectural shingles and examining the roof to kind of see if you think there would be a problem. Or I've seen roofs that are like a three or four pitch that have architectural shingles on them. And what happens with the architectural shingles is they can, when they sit very flat and the roof isn't very steep, they can kind of create a little dip and actually hold water in some places. Oh, okay. Not a lot, um, but down at the bottom near the gutter line, stuff like that, it can, they kind of cup. They kind of, they can slightly cup and imagine just a little bit of a line where the water either goes sideways or it kind of pools in a spot on the roof. So I have had some people with some pretty shallow 312s that, that I was really recommending for the life expectancy. You might want to keep the three tab and go with the three tab um, to keep that water running off better, quicker, all of that. Um, but the actual architectural shingles, one of the biggest advantage to them is um, they're thicker. Mm-hmm. So that they weigh more, yeah. So they're going to blow off less often, okay. Um, and when you look at warranties and and wind warranties in specific, the the heavier the shingle, the more asphalt on that shingle, the longer the wind warranty is going to be, and it does go away over time. Read your warranty because most of them only last about ten, fifteen, maybe twenty years. Because as the the asphalt pieces, you know, we've all seen that in our gutters coming out of our downspout. You get all those little asphalt yeah. pieces. Well, that those shingles are wearing down, so they're getting lighter. So it'll take less wind to blow them off once they become lighter. So that is why your wind warranties go away and get less over years. It, it's just a standard industry thing. But it is good because... You'll get a longer, you know, limited lifetime warranty on the architectural shingle, and it'll be thicker. It'll weigh more, and you'll get a longer wind warranty with higher rated winds in that wind warranty. So definitely worth the cost for sure. Excellent. All right. Well, that is some good information there. I wanted to switch over to maybe a more DIY type question uh, for all those DIYers out there. When should I, if I'm going to be hanging something uh, when should I use a nail versus a screw? Is there some parameters on that? Um, oh, yeah, absolutely. There, There's some parameters on that as far as, you know, nails handle what we call shear weight better than screws do. Um, screw heads break off easier. So when you're, you're nailing something and you're wanting it to not pull down, you're going to put a lot of weight on top of it, or it's very heavy, then it's a good idea to use a nail over a screw in something like that. Now, nails do, when they go into wood, basically the way they hold is the membrane. So remember, a piece of wood or a two-by-four was a living thing. Mm -hmm. So the membranes that create that living thing, just like us, you know, when something goes wrong, we swell. There's inflammation. Yeah. It turns red and it gets bigger. Well, that's what happens to wood. So when you drive the nail in, the membranes swell, and that's what holds it so tight. Over years, that can loosen. And mm-hmm. that's why nails in, like, drywall ceilings start to pull and fall out and, and want to move. Um, 
I've seen it in um, siding where everything's nailed and then later on siding is blowing off because you can just grab the nails and pull them out with your hand yeah. you know, 20, 25 years later. Um, so nails are better for that sheer weight, but screws are better to hold into that wood and really keep things kind of secure. So like on a deck floor, screws going down is perfect, but to hold the deck up, bigger, thicker nails through the wood and through the joist hangers are better for that sheer weight to keep that deck standing up. Um, and actually, this conversation kind of bring me right into my um, On the Road with Rich because I had a client that um, had some siding that um, actually we had sided the home about 20 years ago. We've done everything on this home since day one. I was the project manager around 20 years ago when we had sided the home and actually now it's like 23 years ago. Um, but basically he had 20 years later, some siding blowing off the gable wall of his, one of his, the gable top of one of his roofs mm-hmm. or one of his walls. And we were like, Oh wow. Well, that's obviously outside of our 10 year workmanship warranty. We can get that fixed up for you. But then we looked into it cause you could pull the nails right out with your hand. And he was like, well, gosh, if this is my forever home, you know, what can we do? So we did a little research and we actually found some screws, some longer screws with big flat heads, kind of like a washer welded on that when we redid that gable. And and the other part of the thing is when you're on a trust house with a gable wall, your framing is two feet apart and you, you know, that's just where it lies when Mm -hmm. they build that trust. So you're only nailing it every two feet instead of every 16 inches. So it's just more likely. So when we put that back together, we put those screws in and we held that on there, left it loose so it can move around, expand, contract, just like Mm -hmm. it should. And it's been about three years now. It looks perfect. We're doing some more work at his house right now. And it's still there. It looks great. And, you know, everything's great. So there are Better times where screws are going to hold into that wood, you know, a little bit better also. Well, that's a great breakdown and a lot of useful information. You mentioned siding. My next question is about siding, uh, but it's for someone that lives in an older home that maybe has asbestos siding. Is it safe for them to remove the siding or should it be, you know, left alone and just cover over that existing siding? So for years, we've been covering over that asbestos siding. Um, and insurance companies now are actually starting to request that it is removed when they know that it's there. So mm-hmm. I would suggest that people check with your insurance companies about that too and make sure that they don't have a say in that on how they cover your home for for your insurance. But it's definitely you know, better to remove it. We'll get a little bit more into siding and flashing and house wrap, but if you can remove it, then you can flash the house properly. You can do all the thing that, that Mosby's going to do to a, a wall when we side it to contain the water, keep it out, create a watershed plane, all of that sort of stuff. But you definitely have to have a professional remove right. it. Oh, Not yeah. even Mosby Building Arts. You're going to want like Wellington Environmental or somebody like that to do it properly and throw it away in the proper place and mm-hmm. everything. So that is definitely another very important thing 
Um, but hey, we are just about in, in it here for our break. Now, I wanted to remind everybody that you can contact Mosby and have us come out and check out any of these things for you. 314-909-1800 or callmosby.com, C-A-L-L-M-O-S-B-Y.com. We'll have more of these questions when we return. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch's sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee, plus 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com code odyssey. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. You're listening to Ride at Home with Rich. And now, here's your host, Rich Horace. All right, guys, we are back. I'm sitting here with my producer and right-hand man, Todd Bachman. We're going through some list of questions, question-answer format, Everything everybody wants to know about a bunch of different stuff. And, you know, I did want to, before we get started back up, I wanted to touch on one thing we were just covering on that mold, basically talking about during the break that, um, you know, it is very hard to know how much is behind a wall, um, how much mold is truly in a wall. Now, the air quality test will definitely help, you know, pinpoint that to say, yeah, you've got a lot. We should open up and investigate. But the other way to do it is to open up and investigate. So, you know, I had one a few years back that, I mean, it had a little bitty water stain right at the bottom of the wall in their, in the big walk-in closet. It was maybe two, three inches higher than the base trim. And I could see what was going on with the brick and siding transition. So I knew pretty much where the water was coming from. And it's one of those things that, you know, it depending on what storms drive rains that way and stuff. So I'm thinking it's probably not too bad inside that wall, but I was telling the client, you know, if we take out some drywall, I can get a really good feel for what's inside the wall and if it's really bad. And I said, I don't think it's going to be bad, but you know, it'd be a good idea to do that. And so they were like, sure. Yeah. We cut out a little opening and they had so much moisture inside this wall. The, the plywood sheeting was absolutely shot. I could crumble it out with my fingers and just 
just crumble it away. The, the stud on the side right next to me, I could poke my finger right through it. It was amazing how bad this was, you know, from the outside and what you really you couldn't see it at all from the inside other than a little bitty stain at the bottom of the closet. So it kind of took, you know, a little bitty job into, whoa, we got a major tear down your wall, tear the brick off, fix this wall, you know, make it breathe properly and work properly. So it can be big or small, and it is very hard to tell what's inside that wall until you open it up and take a peek. It's always better to be safe and sorry, for sure. Do the due diligence Absolutely. to make sure, yeah, it's not a bigger problem than it actually seems. I want to dovetail into kind of the air quality um, conversation we had earlier in the previous segment. And, you know, when we're talking about air quality, a lot of people think about their ductwork and cleaning their ductwork. Is it worth doing something like that? How often should you do it? Is yeah. that something that is worth the investment in doing? So I would say the, the easy, quick answer is yes, it's definitely worth the investment. Find a good quality company that is going to do a really good job at it. Mm -hmm. um, learn about how they do it and their services and all that. Um, as a general rule, so like the, the National Air Duct Cleaners Association says clean your air duct about every three to five years. I mean, your your HVAC system, if you think about it like this, it's a big filter. Yeah. It basically circulates all the air in your home as you open the front door. The dust that I was even talking about, you know, makes your roof shingles not stick, is blowing in with the door, all, you know, toilet paper, carpet, all these fiber things create dust. It's getting literally drugged through your house, through all your air ducts, through the returns, and getting filtered, if you don't have really, really great filters on your furnace, some of that will even get through. It's running through your supplies. So there's really no measure of like, you know, does it prevent any health problems or, you know, things like that. But it's definitely a good idea. Um, just imagine having less dust in your home. Right, yeah. Breathing less dust in mm -hmm. your home. Um, it could probably help some people with asthma and stuff like that. You know, everyone's different. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I would say, you know, probably the every five years would be good, um, good enough um, for that. But definitely is worth doing. And you might be surprised. You know, I've gotten into some duct work to do remodeling and found a chunk of drywall with drywall dust from the original build of the house oh, 20 years ago. Yeah. And it was in the ductwork the whole time. So every time it ran, drywall dust was blowing mm. off this chunk of drywall. So you don't know what's even been in there from day one. Right. Oh, man. Okay. Well, I'm going to switch to something a little bit more DIY for us that want to do some work at our own house ourselves. Do I really need to find a stud when I'm hanging something on a wall? Can I just go ahead and just hammer it in anywhere, close my eyes, let's Let's put it up there. So you can actually hang with a lot of the anchors and stuff they make today. You can hang almost anything of almost any weight on drywall without finding a stud. Okay. Um, they have anchors that go up to like 100 pounds. 
Um, and not many pictures are going to weigh 100 pounds. You can yeah. get some metal artwork, right, stuff like yeah. that. Um, my wife is always on me about how I hang stuff like that. And, and then when we go to change it, I've got this work to do because we're moving or we're getting something mm-hmm. smaller. And, and I'm like, but, but that never fell off the wall the whole time. You know, never had an issue. Right. But it definitely depends on the weight of what you're hanging. Um, so if it's something super, super light, I mean, drywall will hold some weight. Mm-hmm. You can just drive a regular old nail into the drywall, and there's some pictures or things like that 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 will hold up. You don't need to hit the stud. It will just hold itself. If it's something really super light, really super easy, it's going to go. So it, it definitely weigh the item you're hanging and figure out what you think you should use from that point on is what I would say. Okay. That's good to know, you know, for all those people out there that worry about something like that, it's, it's just good kind of peace of mind that I probably am going to be safe unless I'm going to be really, you know, putting something heavy on the wall. Yeah. So. And, and I just hung a, a little neon light thing that my, my daughter bought for her yeah. room. And it's literally a piece of plexiglass with this little neon lights on it with a little cord that hangs from it. And it had four holes in it. And I just didn't even matter. Put little trim nails with heads mm-hmm. right into the drywall. This thing weighs like five ounces. Right. right. <laughs> you know? Excellent. All right. So let's move off of the DIY and then more into a full-blown kind of remodeling project. If I am going to be doing a renovation project, do I need a permit for my job? So there, there's a couple answers there because um, it depends on what you're doing and where you are. So, and, and, you know, what the municipalities require you to have a permit for. Um, one thing I would definitely put out there right away is that if you're having a professional company or any type of worker show up to do work on your home and the question of permits comes up, it is that worker or that company's responsibility to find out, understand when they need permits. It is not up to the homeowner. If someone says to you, well, did you want me to get permits? It's not, that's not your question to answer. Um, you, you, it's not up to you. It is the responsibility of the person doing that work. So like in a bathroom, if you're going to take out the faucet, the sink and the cabinet, and you're going to put in a new cabinet and a new sink and a new faucet, and it's all on top of the surface in most areas, you do not need a permit for something like that. You can see it all from the top. You're not getting, you know, it's behind the walls, electrical behind a wall, plumbing behind the wall. If you're moving the sink, if you're making a single, a double, and you're doing things inside the wall, 100%. Um, But then you get to municipalities where um, in St. Genevieve, I was down there some years back looking at some work, and we were replacing a couple windows and we were doing some things. And this was a few years back. And a lot of municipalities now do have some, you know, you need permits to replace windows or doors, stuff like that. 
Back then, no one really did. But St. Genevieve, you need a permit to do absolutely anything. Yeah. And it's because of the flood of 1993. So many people got ripped off that you need a permit to trim a tree. Oh, interesting. You need a permit to go door to door and talk to people. You need a permit to do absolutely everything in that town since 1993. I was very surprised. We had to pull a permit to do attic insulation. Mm. And, you know, so there's so much. I was like, wow. So we did. We had to get a business license from them, pull permits and everything. They wanted to know everything about Mosby Building Arts because they didn't want their homeowner getting ripped off. And so it's a good protection thing. So the permits are there to protect the homeowner, not the builder. Yeah. Um, so definitely there's there's a lot of times that, you know, you do need a permit and make sure they find out. And you can call the municipality and find out from them. Okay. Good information. Okay, one last question here. It's really nice out. The weather is getting great. We're going to be out on our decks a lot. If you have an older deck – what should you be looking for to make sure it's still safe? Oh, definitely get underneath it. Look at all the materials. Look at the ledger board, how it attaches to the house. Look for rust on the metal. Look for cracks in the boards. Poke around with a screwdriver and just make sure that things are still solid and good and ready to go. And look for flashing at that ledger board from underneath. You'll you'll see whether you have that or not. Um and that's what will keep your deck sturdy. I definitely recommend doing that every year to find out. So, hey, we are completely out of time. Had a great time for everybody else out there. I can't wait to talk to you next week. Odyssey celebrates Father's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. You're listening to Ride at Home with Rich. And now, here's your host, Rich Horace. All right, guys, we are back. I'm sitting here with my producer and right-hand man, Todd Bachman. We're going through some list of questions, question-answer format, everything everybody wants to know about a bunch of different stuff. And, you know, I did want to, before we get started back up, I wanted to touch on one thing we were just covering on that mold, basically talking about during the break that... Um, you know, it is very hard to know how much is behind a wall, um, how much mold is truly in a wall. Now, the air quality test will definitely help, you know, pinpoint that to say, yeah, you've got a lot. We should open up and investigate. But the other way to do it is to open up and investigate. So, you know, I had one a few years back that, I mean, it had a little bitty water stain right at the bottom of the wall in their in the big walk-in closet it was maybe two three inches higher than the base trim and i could see what was going on with the brick and siding transition so i knew pretty much where the water was coming from and it's one of those things that you know it depending on what storms drive rains that way and stuff so i'm thinking it's probably not too bad inside that wall but i was telling the client you know if we take out some drywall, I can get a really good feel for what's inside the wall and if it's really bad. And I said, I don't think it's going to be bad, but, you know, it'd be a good idea to do that. And so they were like, sure, yeah, we cut out a little opening. And they had so much moisture inside this wall. The, the plywood sheeting 
was absolutely shot. I could crumble it out with my fingers and just just crumble it away. The the stud on the side right next to me, I could poke my finger right through it. It was amazing how bad this was, you know, from the outside and what you really you couldn't see it at all from the inside other than a little bitty stain at the bottom of the closet. So it kind of took, you know, a little bitty job into, whoa, we got a major tear down your wall, tear the brick off, fix this wall, you know, make it breathe properly and work properly. So it can be big or small, and it is very hard to tell what's inside that wall until you open it up and take a peek. It's always better to be safe than sorry, for sure. Do the due diligence Absolutely. to make sure, yeah, it's not a bigger problem than it actually seems. I want to dovetail into kind of the air quality um, conversation we had earlier in the previous segment. And, you know, when we're talking about air quality, a lot of people think about their ductwork and cleaning their ductwork. Is it worth doing something like that? How often should you do it? Is yeah. that something that is, is worth the investment in doing? So I would say the, the easy, quick answer is yes, it's definitely worth the investment. Find a good quality company that is going to do a really good job at it. Mm-hmm. Um, learn about how they do it and their services and all that. Um, as a general rule, so like the, the National Air Duct Cleaners Association says clean your air duct about every three to five years. I mean, your your HVAC system, if you think about it like this, it's a big filter. Yeah. It basically circulates all the air in your home as you open the front door. The dust that I was even talking about, you know, makes your roof shingles not stick, is blowing in with the door, all, you know, toilet paper, carpet, all these fiber things create dust. It's getting literally drugged through your house, through all your air ducts, through the returns, and getting filtered, if you don't have really, really great filters on your furnace, some of that will even get through. It's running through your supplies. So there's really no measure of like, you know, does it prevent any health problems or, you know, things like that. But it's definitely a good idea. Uh, just imagine having less dust in your home. Right, yeah. Breathing less dust in mm-hmm. your home. Um, it could probably help some people with asthma and stuff like that. You know, everyone's different. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I would say, you know, probably the every five years would be good, um, good enough um, for that. But definitely is worth doing. And you might be surprised. You know, I've gotten into some duck work to do remodeling and found a chunk of drywall with drywall dust from the original build of the house oh, 20 years ago. Yeah. And it was in the ductwork the whole time. So every time it ran, drywall dust was blowing mm. off this chunk of drywall. So you don't know what's even been in there from day one. Right. Oh, man. Okay. Well, I'm going to switch to something a little bit more DIY for us that want to do some work at our own house ourselves. Do I really need to find a stud when I'm hanging something on a wall? Can I just go ahead and just hammer it in anywhere, close my eyes, let's Let's put it up there. So you can actually hang with a lot of the anchors and stuff they make today. You can hang almost anything of almost any weight 
on drywall without finding a stud. Okay. Um, they have anchors that go up to like a hundred pounds. Um, and not many pictures are going to weigh a hundred pounds. You can get some metal artwork, stuff like that. Um, my wife is always on me about how I hang stuff like that. And and then when we go to change it, I've got this work to do because we're moving or we're getting something Mm -hmm. smaller. And, and I'm like, but, but that never fell off the wall the whole time, you know, never had an issue, but it definitely depends on the weight of what you're hanging. Um, so if it's something super, super light, I mean, drywall will hold some weight. Mm -hmm. You can just drive a regular old nail into the drywall and there's some pictures or things like that, that that will hold up. You don't need to hit the stud. It will just hold itself. If it's something really super light, really super easy, it's going to go. So it, it definitely weigh the item you're hanging and figure out what you think you should use from that point on is what I would say. Okay. That's good to know. You know, for all those people out there that worry about something like that, it's, it's just good kind of peace of mind that I probably am going to be safe unless I'm going to be really, you know, putting something heavy on the wall. Yeah. And, and I just hung a, a little neon light thing that my, my daughter bought for her yeah. room. And it's literally a piece of plexiglass with this little neon lights on it with a little cord that hangs from it. And it had four holes in it. And I just didn't even matter. Put little trim nails with heads mm-hmm. right into the drywall. This thing weighs like five ounces. Right. right. <laughs> you know? Excellent. All right. So let's move off of the DIY and then more into a full-blown kind of remodeling project if I am going to be doing a renovation project, do I need a permit for my job? So there, there's a couple answers there because um, it depends on what you're doing and where you are. So, and, and, you know, what the municipalities require you to have a permit for. Um, one thing I would definitely put out there right away is that if you're having a professional company or any type of worker show up to do work on your home and the question of permits comes up, it is that worker or that company's responsibility to find out, understand when they need permits. It is not up to the homeowner. If someone says to you, well, did you want me to get permits? It's not, that's not your question to answer. Um, you, you, it's not up to you. It is the responsibility of the person doing that work. So like in a bathroom, if you're going to take out the faucet, the sink and the cabinet, and you're going to put in a new cabinet and a new sink and a new faucet, and it's all on top of the surface in most areas, you do not need a permit for something like that. You can see it all from the top. You're not getting, you know, it's behind the walls, electrical behind a wall, plumbing behind the wall. If you're moving the sink, if you're making a single, a double, and you're doing things inside the wall, 100%. Um, But then you get to municipalities where um, in St. Genevieve, I was down there some years back looking at some work, and we were replacing a couple windows and we were doing some things. And this was a few years back. And a lot of municipalities now do have some, you know, 
you need permits to replace windows or doors, stuff like that. Back then, no one really did. But St. Genevieve, you need a permit to do absolutely anything. And it's because of the flood of 1993. So many people got ripped off that you need a permit to trim a tree. Oh, interesting. You need a permit to go door to door and talk to people. You need a permit to do absolutely everything in that town since 1993. I was very surprised. We had to pull a permit to do attic insulation. Hmm. And, you know, so there's so much. I was like, wow. So we did. We had to get a business license from them, pull permits and everything. They wanted to know everything about Mosby Building Arts because they didn't want their homeowner getting ripped off. And so it's a good protection thing. So the permits are there to protect the homeowner, not the builder. Yeah. Um, so definitely there's there's a lot of times that, you know, you do need a permit and make sure they find out. And you can call the municipality and find out from them. Okay. Good information. Okay, one last question here. It's really nice out. The weather is getting great. We're going to be out on our decks a lot. If you have an older deck – what should you be looking for to make sure it's still safe? Oh, definitely get underneath it. Look at all the materials. Look at the ledger board, how it attaches to the house. Look for rust on the metal. Look for cracks in the boards. Poke around with a screwdriver and just make sure that things are still solid and good and ready to go. And look for flashing at that ledger board from underneath. You'll you'll see whether you have that or not. Um and that's what will keep your deck sturdy. I definitely recommend doing that every year to find out. So, hey, we are completely out of time. Had a great time for everybody else out there. I can't wait to talk to you next week. Get more at 971talk.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Odyssey celebrates the class of 2024, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. 